Chapter Three Elements of Chaos and Frustration Before the Scrum Framework To better understand the impact of the Scrum Framework to our software engineering practices and businesses, it makes sense to have a look at the day in life or software project in life. Therefore, I would love to briefly talk about a software project from the past before we adopted the Scrum development and Scrum delivery framework in our organizations. A few days before I wrote these lines, we had a lunch with one of my ex-colleagues with whom we used to work together almost 20 years ago. This gentleman, Marcus, has got his Scrum Master Certification and Scrum Product Owner Certification from International Scrum Institute. He currently works as a Scrum Master for one of the leading software houses in the Agile Project Management Software domain. As a Scrum Master, Marcus is now in charge of operating an Agile Scrum team whose team members located in geographically distributed locations around the globe. During our lunch, Marcus admitted that there are a lot of typical challenges with distributed Agile Scrum teams. Some of the problems he specifically mentioned related to his software project configuration are differences in working styles among different Scrum team members, time zone differences, cultural misfits, and language constraints. Despite these difficulties, Marcus still added that running a software project with the Agile Scrum process is more fun, productive, and enriching than how we used to work 20 years ago. Compared to days when we used to work without Scrum software development and Scrum software delivery processes. Marcus' statement was indeed a big testimonial for the credit of the Scrum framework from a very accomplished and experienced manager, Scrum master and product owner. Thank you, Marcus. Then we explained to him one of our past software projects before we used to meet with the Scrum framework. I am sure that many Scrum masters would resemble this experience to their previous projects before they've gotten their Scrum master certifications. Back in the late 1990s, we were part of a software engineering group to build a smart card-based public key infrastructure. Smart cards securely protected private keys of infrastructure members and associated public keys and their wrapper certifications were openly distributed, as the name public implies. Back in the day, this was by itself a relatively complex IT project that required multiple interdependent hardware engineering and software engineering teams. We had to do massive amounts of research and development to build a fully functional hardware and software. Remember, these days, before we had the minimum viable product MVP concept to experiment, create, learn and experiment again. Without Scrum to create such a sophisticated infrastructure that constituted numerous hardware and software elements was a real challenge. Here are the three significant setbacks we used to have without any Scrum Masters and anyone who possesses a Scrum Master certification in our teams. Chapter Frustration 1 We had to plan our entire project before we understood what the project was all about. Without Scrum, our teams had built and delivered entirely wrong software and hardware products that did not fulfill demands from the client. We had times in our professional lives when some third-party companies had imposed how we supposed to build our software products and software services. Capability Maturity Model, CMM, ISO 
9001-2008 and other derivatives attempted to help our companies to ensure we built our correct software in correct ways. How successful they used to be is not part of this material. This material was meant to focus on the Scrum process and merits of the Scrum framework, rather than criticizing almost extinct procedures. However, I have to add that these process improvement frameworks before the Scrum software engineering framework recommended a phased approach. They advised the phased software engineering approach, which we called the waterfall software engineering model. With this waterfall model, each software project was supposed to start with requirement analysis, where we aimed to understand what our client needed and wanted. Then we designed this requirement, we implemented them, we tested, verified them, and we maintained them in our software production environments. Finally, we reached to the end of the software engineering lifecycle. Nonetheless, the reality didn't play out like that. The adverse effects of unforeseen delays happened during a particular phase of the waterfall software engineering model were inevitable to the following software engineering phases. Studies have shown that in over 90% of the investigated and failed software projects, the usage of the waterfall methodology was one of the critical factors of failure. But why? As shown on the left-hand side, when deploying the waterfall methodology, there is a strict sequential chain of different project phases. A previous phase is to be completed before starting the next phase. Going back is in most cases painful, costly, frustrating to the team and time-consuming. The project timeline is planned at the start. A releasable product is delivered only at the end of the project timeline. If one phase is delayed, all other phases are delayed too. To avoid this, project managers of the waterfall methodology usually try to anticipate all possibilities beforehand. That means that in one of the earliest project phases, they try to define all requirements as fine-grained and as complete as possible. However, requirement definition in an initial stage of a project is often complicated and therefore many requirements change or should change throughout the project. Studies have shown that in more extensive and complex projects, about 60% of the initial requirements do change throughout the course of projects. Other requirements are implemented as defined, but some of them are not really needed by the customer. So those implementations consume time and money that could have been better used to implement functionality with a higher added value for its clients. The separation into different project phases forces project managers to estimate each phase separately. The problem is that most of these phases usually are not separate. They are working together and in parallel. For instance, no reasonable human being can assume that the development phase finished before the testing phase started, and yet this is precisely and unfortunately how the waterfall methodology used to work. The waterfall methodology for developing software can be used for implementing small and straightforward projects, but for bigger and more complex projects, this approach is highly risky, if not insane. It's often costier and always less efficient than Scrum software development and delivery framework. This was the life before the Scrum framework, sending our software back and forth between various teams without the guidance of professionals with the Scrum skills made our life bureaucratic, 
complex and unproductive. Finally, it wasn't only the product which suffered, but also employee morale and commitment to our organization mission has wholly disrupted as well. Chapter Frustration number two, lack of commitment, change management, and working together disciplines among different teams. The most significant weakness of process improvement frameworks used before Scrum was that they mainly focused on self-serving organizational demands of leadership. Some of these demands are monitoring, compliance, and predictability. There was no focus on serving clients well and increasing employee morale at all. Thus, members of software management teams and various other internal and external stakeholders attempted to have a fixed deadline for software delivery projects and easily monitor the progress of software engineering phases. They penalized their people if something was outside the planned track and they hoped to fix emerging issues before the scheduled date of project completion. Furthermore, independent silos realized entirely separated software engineering phases. As an example, the development team was completely independent of a software testing verification team. Most people who were supposed to work for the same business mission didn't even know each other by their names. Have you got a guess about the reason for the silo mentality in our organizations rather than focus on business missions and professional business maturity of employees? The reason is simply the metrics management. Metrics management is an organizational management and employee structure and it has been in our businesses since the 1970s. At first glance, the differentiating idea behind the matrix organization or matrix management seems to be smart. Leadership creates an organizational structure by bringing together employees with similar kinds of functional and technical skill sets into the same or at best neighbor silos. Back in time, it was quite popular to see so-called center of competences in our companies, where each center of competence represented an independent and autonomous silo. One silo for C++ developers, another silo for database administrators, another entirely separate quality assurance silo in overseas, and it goes on and on. Go and figure. The biggest challenge with the matrix organization structure was that to deliver a software project without the Scrum framework and Scrum masters, project managers had to borrow employees from silos temporarily. These employees did not even physically position with their project teams, but they still located in the rooms of their particular center of competences. Upon completion of the projects, these temporary project teams dissolved and project participants moved on their new assignments to serve for other projects. Therefore, the targeted business values of these ongoing software projects have never been the utmost priority for these independent silos. They tend to see their work as checkboxes they ticked for one project over here and another project over there. Leadership and matrix organizational model didn't teach them how professionals should commit their business to improve the bottom line, including sales, revenue and profit. A McKinsey quarterly article written by McKinsey and company has also clearly illustrated this illusion of cost optimization beyond the matrix organization. Gartner has estimated that organizations worldwide have been yearly spending 600 billion US dollars to recover their IT systems from non-scheduled maintenance work and defects.
Now let's take a short moment to visualize how the change management and impediment handling of software projects played out. How they played out in a project configuration with the waterfall model, with the matrix organization and without the scrum process. Yes, you are right. Management and employees treated change management, impediment and error handling as if they are ill expectations which shouldn't have happened in the first place. Therefore, changes in a software project have been the synonym of delays. They usually created a domino effect of cascading delays. Teams required someone to blame and finger point for defects and impediments. Last but not least, because silos did not have a mechanism in place to process, fix and learn from their errors, they kept on repeating the same mistakes. Furthermore, they kept on augmenting the amount of technical debt while they passively attempted to deal with their problems. Chapter Frustration 3 Autocratic Decisions Overruled Democratic Decisions Steve Jobs once said, It doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. However, this is precisely the opposite of how most of the mainstream leadership used to operate to make decisions before the Scrum era. Before we had the Scrum process in our organizations, autocratic decisions from leaders overruled the combined intelligence of their teams. They invalidated the democratic decision-making ability of groups who were in charge of doing the real works, which spent the entire software engineering lifecycle from the conception of software to its operations. The remote the decision was shifted away from work centers it impacted, the more difficult it was to give a correct mission-critical decision. The judgments from leaders used to be usually impulsive, not thoroughly thought out, mostly late and tentative, but sometimes even too early. These autocratic decisions imposed from the top made employees feel undervalued. They entirely hindered the ability of their organizations to come up with creative and innovative solutions to handle competitive business and software-related challenges. Furthermore, they discouraged software engineering teams from giving their inputs at the times when they are asked to contribute to decisions. It was a brief overview of how we used to develop and deliver our software services and service products before we adopted the Scrum framework in our organizations. Now let's take a look at how we sorted out these chaos and frustration elements with the help of the Scrum process. Chapter What makes the Scrum framework succeed? The Scrum framework changes the classical triangle of project management. Organizations do no longer need to sacrifice one of the time, budget or quality. The new triangle is now emerging between the budget, time and functionality. And none of these project success elements have to be endangered. According to Scrum framework, quality is no longer optional. To deliver what clients are playing for to flourish their businesses, the Scrum teams strive to provide the best possible software they are jointly able to build. In the Scrum framework, the factors which define when a feature is complete and when it meets it, the required quality standards are set by definition of done, DOD. DODs specify 
the expected outcome in terms of functional and non-functional requirements, design, coding, unit testing, end user validation, documentation, and so on. DODs are defined in the levels of both user stories and tasks. DODs of user stories focus on functional and non-functional client requirements, whereas DODs of tasks focus on the desired working activities from the team members. The Scrum team is not allowed to close the user stories and obviously the tasks that do not fulfill their DODs. Scrum product owner and the Scrum team define user stories and their tasks throughout the course of the Scrum software engineering process incrementally. This incremental development allows the team to remain adaptive and adjust their next best actions in a controlled manner without the additional costs and risks of jeopardizing large chunks of previous work. The Scrum team builds a potentially shippable software product increment until the end of each sprint. The team demonstrates and discusses these increments with the Scrum product owner and client stakeholders to get and incorporate their feedback towards the next steps of their project. This flexibility applies to not only software delivery, but also the operational processes. So the Scrum framework allows the optimization of the use of resources, human, time, budget, material, and the minimization of vests. Studies have shown that Scrum has the following positive effects in practice. More frequent code deployments, faster lead time from committing to deploying code, faster mean time to recover from downtime, lower change failure rate, better product quality, reduced or identical costs compared to pre-scrum deployment, improved productivity and throughput, improved code and operational reliability, enhanced organizational performance and client satisfaction, improved market penetration, market share and profitability of organizations, improved market capitalization growth, improved motivation of employees. Introducing and adopting the Scrum framework is non-trivial. And yet, the adaptive and iterative approach of the Scrum framework handles this initial burden and it copes with ever-changing client and business requirements better. Thus, the Scrum framework is, in most cases, a better alternative to the classical software engineering methodologies.